When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And uh, I've heard so many stories about you when I joined this podcast, and I cannot believe that they were all true about one human being. And now I know that everything I heard is true. I'm Ostinensky, oh. and I don't tell my wife anything. She thinks I'm at the office right now. <laughs> and I'm Dayton Lee. And like I tell Larry in this new episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, don't be the funny guy. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 7, Episode 7, The Black Swan, which originally aired on November 1st, 2009, of the following year, the Black Swan film came out and, you know, winning Oscars and everything, even inspiring a, uh, a perm costume for me. So is it fair to say that, that Larry David and Curb basically inspired that movie? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy who is just like putting his entire body and being into something for the purpose of creating art, you know, you have the, the dancer that Natalie Portman played in the Black Swan and you have Larry David showing him his true self to the world for our uh, you know, kicks and giggles. Um, yeah. There's nothing else like it. Yes, I think that's very much the same. Um, there's also a book, you know, The Black Swan, Nassim Taleb, who wrote that book about like risk management or something that was mm-hmm. like, you know, a big New York Times bestseller. Also inspired by Larry um, I even ju- I even just randomly today got an email from some company called like the Black Swan Negotiating Company or something like that. I don't know what it is. Um, I deleted it, but I was like tempted to invite them on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that wouldn't have made sense because we already have a guest on this podcast. Of course, uh, as you heard at the top, uh, Dana Lee, who uh, plays the role for the first time, first of three. And I think now we've been told four um, times a recurring character as Mr. Takahashi. Um, he joins us for this episode of The Black Swan of Pretty, 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 Pretty Good. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Alex, and uh, a pleasure to be here. So as I've mentioned, this is the, the first time that you play Mr. Takahashi, and uh, you'll come back uh, in future episodes as well. But you're also, you were on an episode, The Car Salesman, eight years earlier oh, on Curb. Uh, you, you remember that? So, yeah, so that's the episode where Larry's trying to sell cars and you're one of the people that Larry tries to sell a car to uh, with exactly, ill success, yeah. of yeah. course. So t- we tell even, us, like, uh, how do you we may ha- even have a clip of that here. Oh, <laughs> we should have even planned this better. <laughs> I've got to tell you, because I did the car salesman episode, Larry didn't want to see me for Takahashi. In fact, I was oh, literally right. the makes last. Sense. You're already. I was already in and he, he had a policy. Yeah. Never to hire an actor twice unless it's the same role. I was literally the last person he saw for Takahashi. So finally, he decided, let's bring Dana back to see how he does as Takahashi. And, you know, um, I got it. And I think at that time, I was probably the only actor who appeared on the show in two different characters. 
I, I think since then there has other actors playing different roles. It's it's interesting yeah, that the well, show had, cared um, that we, much about it because yeah, our perception was that Larry didn't really care about that. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, I mean, you guys should know better than me. Has there other actors who've been on? Well, one of the first guests that we had Not on that... this podcast, right, Av? Yeah, Susie Nakamura played two different characters. It's, it definitely doesn't happen a lot. Um, but I would say, like, more as, like, a general thing is, like, Curb is not a show that generally cares too much about, like, any sort of continuity in its, like, world oh. and, like, things that happened or didn't happen. So, like, I, I would be surprised if Larry thought that he, that he would care that much about, you know, like, not having that, like, double up of character. But, like, I'm glad it worked out because it was great to see you back as Mr. Takahashi uh, well, instead I, of just I, I Dale I, the uh, car buyer. Like I said, I was the very last actor he saw for Takahashi. So, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was told at that time that he, you know, he didn't want to use the actors twice. Let, let, let's go back to the first time right. you cast, though, in 2001. So, you know, yeah. we've had uh, we've had guests on this show who have, you know, guested on pretty much every TV show from like the 90s and, and, the, and the 2000s. Oh, my God. So, but like, so have I. Yeah, but I'm saying, but but today we have somebody who, I mean, literally since the 70s, like here's just a partial list, like Beretta, Starsky and Hutch, Hawaii Five O, the 70s version and the recent version, the greatest American hero, the A Team, MacGyver, Dynasty, Matlock, Mister. I mean, it's like incredible, like the length and breadth of your of your career, uh, you know, and like TV shows, and then all the all the way up to the modern time. Obviously, we have like um, uh, Doctor Ken and and the and the film Birds of Prey recently. But so tell us, like, how how did you get cast the first time you when you came on just in, in the car salesman episode? It was just you know, a regular casting call. I just went in, and I, I read with Larry. Apparently, I cracked him up, and the casting director told me, you know, you cracked Larry up, and that's very hard to do. I said, well, what does that mean? That he's, the casting director told me, well, I wouldn't be surprised if the part goes to you. Right then. I mean, right. normally, they don't tell you th- these things, you know? Normally, you read, and they right. say, thank you. I'll get the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, she yeah. said, uh, I hear you. Do you remember? I mean, it's 20 years ago, but do you remember what was on the car? Like how much information were you given for that scene for that? You know, that that um, that scene that you did with Larry? Well, I do remember because, as you know, the, the, the show is not scripted. Yeah. So I, when right. I came on, they just said, you know, just make it difficult for Larry. You know, whatever <laughs> he says, you, you, <laughs> right. you're not buying it, you know. Uh, no, 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 you know, just okay. That's okay, sure, you know, and that's that's how we did it. Ah, can we watch the scene for a second? Sure, yeah, let's do that. All right, we're gonna going back to uh 2001, I believe. For oh my god, the car salesman Dana, Dana, that's my middle name, Larry Dana David. Uh, (laughs) I noticed this is a GT. Yeah, and the brochure says uh, there's a model called the GTS. Yes. Now, what is the difference between the GT and the GTS? Okay, the GTS is guaranteed tremendous safety. <laughs> so without the S, it's just guaranteed tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's so good. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so you you're you're just uh, you're just there to give him a hard time. It, it, but another yeah. staple yeah. of early Curb that the characters are often played, the actors play characters with their same name. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're Dana buying the car. Yeah. So what, as I see it, we have a couple options here. Um, I would say option number one is this is Mr. Takahashi posing as a man named Dana. Mm. Right. In order to uh, <laughs> buy a car. Yeah. Right? 
That's my that's my first thought. Because listen, if the, um, if the salesman knows that it's Mr. Takahashi, they're going to upsell him because you know they know he comes from this prestigious club. He's got deep exactly. pockets. Maybe right. I am Takahashi, but I, I'm you know I down dress and tell him I'm Dana, yeah. right? Just to throw him off. It's like a it's like a prince and the pauper situation. Yeah, yeah. You want to be more relatable as a common man. Wait, um, what was your option number two? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that's actually my only option. I, oh, okay. I had, I think I had another one earlier. I forgot it. Okay. I should have written them down. So I think we got to that. So, all right. So eight years later, uh, Mr. Takahashi is back. And uh, should we jump into um, uh, season seven, episode seven? Let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do it. So we're at a cemetery and we got Larry, we got his dad, and of course, cousin Andy's back. And they're walking through the cemetery and they're going to uh, go see Larry's mom's grave and, you know, pay their respects. And when they get to the tombstone, they notice that there's a typo or what we think is a typo, as it says, passed away, as in P-A-S-T, instead of S with the S-D-D at the end. Right. And that's like... And that's like, uh, yeah, no, I know Uh, that's, you know, I did that on purpose um, because like it means the same thing. No one knows the difference. And they charge by the letter. So I saved 50 bucks per letter. That's 100 bucks. And Larry's just like apoplectic about this. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't like misspell. This is like our mother's tombstone. Like, and like, you couldn't have put in some, you know, superlatives like dearest mother, loving, loving mother, you know, wonderful spouse, um, you know beloved mother of larry he specifically wants um and they're like oh yeah i mean i guess but you know he wanted to save some uh, some bucks and they uh they put on some flowers they stand there for a couple of seconds and then larry asks the obvious question ah, how long do we have to stay here <laughs> um aside from like the insanity of nat spelling it wrong to save a hundred dollars i don't yeah. understand like even by the logic of, okay, Nat's trying to save money. Like, you don't even have to write, like, the word pass. You just written the date in a dash or something, right? Very odd. Very illogical for, uh, from Nat David here. <laughs> yeah, not a great choice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Born, so, dead, right? So the dates. Yeah. That's what right. you need. Yes, yeah. yes. He's like, <laughs> right. Why, why do you even put it in her name? Like, born, died. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so we're uh, we head over to uh, Mr. Takahashi's golf club, and Larry's having some breakfast with uh, his golf uh, foursome. It's we got Larry, we got Andy, we got Jeff, we got the Funk Man, and he's telling them all about the tombstone. And is like, this ob- is this the first time fun- we've seen this foursome sitting around a table like this? Obviously, <laughs> like we've never seen Andy and Marty Funkhauser together, like yeah. for sure not. But it's the first. I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Andy not usually involved, but the idea of the four of them sitting around a table at the country club will become a very common staple over the next few seasons. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah as it's presented to us now, this yeah, does, with this, this exact force, this course. is not a natural group. Yeah, yeah. It's not a natural group. Um, well, because Andy is, you know, usually not not yet at this point. Yeah, Andy right. is. And and uh, Funkhauser has only like recently started yeah. to be on like here and there. He hasn't yeah. become as regular yet. And I think like season eight is right, when he, right, and right, season nine right. he'll really yeah. jump up a ton. So like he's around, but he's not like in every where he's like it's like him, Larry, and Jeff all the time. Yeah, right. um, that'll come. And later. Leah, and then Leon, of course, will be off the fourth often. Right. 
yeah, Liana is the wild card. Yeah, they're like the uh, yeah, that's the that's the new core four. Yeah. Speaking of Funkhauser, uh, Bob Einstein. Yeah. Um, can I t- can I tell you guys a little story? Sure. That's why you're here. You know, you know, he was a producer at one time. In fact, uh, one of my first gig was uh, I was on the thing. He was the producer of. I did a show with uh, with Pat Morita. We did a little sketch uh, a sketch with. Um, Oh, it was the Lola Palana show. It was the oh, Lola okay. Palana show. Okay, and I did a sketch mm-hmm. with uh, Pat Morita. Uh, uh, Bob Einstein was the producer of it. Oh, this director. is 1975. I'm looking, yeah, 1976. No, wow, yeah. I can't believe it. Yep, the Lola Palana show. Queen of Las Vegas. The Lola Palana show, yeah. yeah Bob. There you go. So you guys go way back. I, I, knew, I knew him back then. Yeah, wow. And then Funkhauser is like, yeah, I mean, you're lucky that he didn't go even shorter and write Beloved Moth instead of Beloved Mother. I mean, <laughs> that could have saved him another hundred bucks. Yeah. And um, who do we see is here? It's, um, if you recall, Norm. Who was Back one from of the, the producers. Guys who used to hang out. Yeah, he hung out yeah. with Mel Brooks all the time. Yeah. Uh, he liked one of the guys that like, was, just, I think, skeptical of Larry. And his four are sitting down for dinner for uh, breakfast around the same time. And everyone's like, hey, we should really eat fast because Norm is like a super slow golfer. And like, if we got stuck behind him, it's going to be the, like, <laughs> the worst day. Um, so, yeah, so the waiter comes order comes over to get their orders and everyone's like does something like really simple. It's like uh, eggs, whites and locks, like just some fruit. And Andy steps up to the plate and says, you know, <laughs> he wants his egg whites and locks and he wants it with, with onions and the onions can't be limp. They need to be really crispy. That's how he likes them. Extra well done. And Larry's like, what the hell? We're in a rush. Like, you're going to cause us to be late. You saw what everyone else ordered. Uh, but like, no, Andy's just like very, he's very particular about what he wants to have for breakfast. He has no, you know, there's no choice here. Now I have a question about this club. Um, you know, we know that Larry and Jeff had got kicked out of their original club because of the golf club incident. And then Larry had tried to get into the very, very Gentile club. Mr. Takahashi's club seems, right. uh, you know, pretty open. I mean, we got four Jews at this table. We, we have, you know, an Asian American, at least one that we know of. We have Norm, uh, who I think is also Jewish, actually. So this is, this is not the super waspy, uh, you know, uh, right-wing uh, club that Larry was last trying to get into. So, uh, so why don't you tell us, Dana, what kind of club is Mr. Takahashi uh, running here? Well, the way I said, I mean, as an Asian American, I, I think it would be pretty, pretty, pretty hypocritical if I were to not allow Jews or Blacks or any other... Yeah. you know, minority group to, to, to be in the member of the club, you know? I mean, this seems like a much more... He's a wonderful man who runs a very nice club. Yeah. Yes. As, long, as long as you respect his uh, swan. Everyone's allowed it. Yeah. <laughs> even even uh, maybe as some... As long as they pay their dues. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Contrary, to what people think, and contrary to what people think, I don't really hate Larry, you know? <laughs> no, people people get the impression that, you know... No, I love Larry. I, I want him to be there. I just don't like his antics hmm. and what he does at the right. club, you know? That, that sounds like something... You know he's uh, up to no good. Yeah. That sounds like something parents say sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I love you. I just hate your behavior. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so first first this guy uh, this guy comes over and he's named Jim and like him and Larry make quick quick chit chat but Funkhauser's like why, didn't, like, why didn't you introduce us? What the heck? Like, that's, the, like, that's you know, what polite people do. And Larry's like, no, like, you don't need to know him. He's from New York. You're never going to come across him. Well, so um, who, who is Jim? You know, and what's, what's with his hair also? We don't know anything about Jim. Yeah. 
who comes from L.A. into New York just for the day and then is just like hanging out in like a country club uh, dining room? Well, if I got in- invited to Mr. Takahashi's I guess that's room, true. It's worth trying to fly out to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we don't know anything about Jim. Club. Who, who's right in the uh, in the fuck man LD argument here about introductions, in your opinion? Uh, Dana. Um, Dana, who do you think is correct in this argument between uh, Marty and Larry here? Don't get me involved. OK, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, I have to say Larry, of course. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so you are on Team Larry. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm on Team Larry also. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, every, you don't have to like introduce the whole table to like so this random guy who like you don't need to know this guy. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to like get the, in and out of this quickly. Like, I, I do that to all the time. Like, if I have someone over for the weekend and like I'll be like in synagogue, and people will say like, oh, I'll be like, oh, hi, this is so and so. You don't need to know him. Like, he's <laughs> like he's just for the weekend. You're never gonna see him again. Don't invest the time. Yeah, like you don't need to know him. You're fine. <laughs> Although, of course, in this episode, it'll come back to bite Larry. Yeah. He will be uh, hoisted his own petard. Mm. What is a petard? Um, okay, so um, we are going to get into our first clip. And this is um, Larry our receiving clip. a phone call. Our second clip. Yes, yes. Our, first, our first clip of the Black Swan. Now, this is, uh, yeah, so Larry is still at the table and his phone is going to ring in the dining room. Hello. Oh, hey, Dad. I'm, I, I can't talk here. I'm in the dining room. You shouldn't use the phone in here. Come for dinner tonight at 630. Hey, hey, come on. Keep it down. Yeah. Come on. And um, Tell me to call him back. Oh, great. I'll see you then. Oh. No cell phone in dining room. <laughs> Trouble the rule. Why you break a rule? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Takahashi. My, my father had a quadruple bypass surgery yesterday, and he, he needed to hear my voice. You do this all the time. That's the warning. Sorry. The guilt by association. Who the hell is it's Takahashi? He's the owner of the club. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to be uh, guilted by association, then don't hang out with Harry David. I yeah, mean, exactly. I that's a pretty good way to avoid that problem. That goes to all of you. That's you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so far I've done a good job of never uh, never getting involved with Larry David uh, other than watching his show relentlessly. So yeah, so we uh, we flash ahead a few minutes and we see the rest of the group is like, they're they're done eating, they're just watching Andy eat, like they're all sighing as he takes every little bite. And finally the funk man, he interjects and he tells, Danny, uh, tells Andy to finish shoveling that shit into your face. It's to no avail, however, because Norm's party has gotten up and they're heading out to the golf course. And no, not the ranges. They're going to the golf course. So the bill comes and Larry picks it up. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's the man with the money at the table. But, you know, he doesn't do so without complaining about this restaurant's uh, tipping regime that has been installed, which provides for a mandatory 18% tip, which is included, but also includes a space for an additional tip. And Larry thinks this is completely ridiculous. Like now I have to start doing math to figure out if I want to do 2%, 7%. You know, I'm like, I'm not leaving any additional tip out of protest of the system. He's a third party voter, right? Like he's saying like, nope, not doing it. So yeah, so, you know, they, they're heading out and the waiter comes over and is like, oh, excuse me, sir. Was like everything okay? Um, I noticed you didn't leave me a tip. Which, fuck you, first of all, you got a tip. Like, you know, you could say there was no- I mean, Larry David's worth $40 million. Uh, yeah. I'm on the side of uh, the way. Yeah, but still. Well, no, he shouldn't say you didn't leave me a tip. Like, you did get a tip. 
Well, I think the accepted standard in the club, obviously, is that you add a tip on top of the 18 percent. Yeah. And like the whole thing with Lowry, where like now he has to do math. Like you have to do math anyway. Yeah. You're just doing math off of a different number. It's actually an easier percentage, right? 18 is a harder number to calculate than two or five or 10 or whatever. Yeah. Two or five. Right. Yeah. Yes. Very easy to do. Right. You they, they give you the new number on the bill. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. All this could have been, of course, you know, if they take my suggestion, we wouldn't have this problem, which is to just put on a service charge. Well, you're the owner of the club. You got to start. Uh, I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm the owner of the, the dining staff. If I did that, they're not putting your ideas into practice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah, think the dream of owning your own golf course is that you can insert your own tipping requirements in the dining hall. That's the, that's the main part of owning a golf club, of course. Of course. Right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying the problem could have been solved if we yeah. don't just suggest 18% and just write in service charge, 18%, you know? Yeah. Yeah, don't even yeah. call it tip. Uh, let me ask you. I'm not a golfer, but I, I have played putt-putt in my day. And if you can't play through, can't you just skip the hole and come back to it at the end? Like, all right, Norm is stuck on hole number two, so we're going to go from one to three. Then we'll come back to two at the end. Yeah, uh, I don't think you're like you do that on like a professional golf course, like on a like on a nice country club golf course. I, I mean, in putt putt, you can lose your ball on the 18th hole because it doesn't come back. You know, <laughs> I don't think. Right. That right. I, 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 yeah, I. I <laughs> you you can play through somebody. Yeah. Somebody can wave you through, but but they. I don't think you can. Skip right, they a have hole. to let you. That's the etiquette. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah. I don't think you can skip a hole. Mm. That that I don't think this that, lack of etiquette is why I'm not a golfer. I guess. But I mean, the thing is that once you're out there, you can do what, as long as your group, you know, can yeah. decide, hey, let's not play this hole. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, you, rather you than just, hanging behind Norm for four hours. Yeah. It's better than hanging behind Norm for four hours. I mean, you know. Yeah. But I bet there's a lot of golfers that would, would be like very particular about not playing the 18 holes and then like their score doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a golfer. Yeah. I'd I'm, I'm take sure. It very seriously. Listen, if you pay a ton of money to join this club, mm. you can play every hole that you can. What What, what are the annual fees at uh, Mr. Takahashi's club? Uh, I figure it's like, uh, since it's Larry is a member, you know it can't be that high. <laughs> right? right? He is Probably cheap, 20, but he is rich. Mm, 20,000 20, a year. That's not yeah, the but he also doesn't yeah. like to spend his money. Yeah. He's the he's the parsimonious type. Yeah, not as expensive as Mar-a-Lago, that's for sure. It's probably twenty thousand a year membership. Yeah, and at, at Mr. Takahashi's club, you get to like be like bump elbows with like a really like powerful, impressive person. Yeah, right. at Mar-a-Lago, you have to bump elbows with yeah some other guy. <laughs> so yeah, so basically, yeah, Larry's like, um, yeah, I'm protesting math, not doing the the additional tip. So, yeah, so we head out to the course, and la- indeed, we're stuck behind Norm, and he's moving at a snail's pace. So they, uh, Larry and Norm just basically get into this uh, huge screaming match about um, Larry, um, you know, yelling at him because they're going too slow. And I guess this is now, like, several days later. It feels like they shoot it as, like, now they're meeting in the locker room after playing golf that day. But, like, obviously, this is sometime later because turns out Norm has died. Um, and this friend of Norm is like blaming Larry because he's like, yeah, you he had high blood pressure. And you know what happens to someone who has high blood pressure when they get into a screaming match is they get a heart attack and they die. And what happens yeah. to Norm and it's your fault. Yeah. Now, obviously, like the story is being told this way for like comedic effect. But this guy's the worst storyteller of all time. Like he starts the conversation with you can't yell at Norm and ends it with, oh, and by the way, Norm's dead. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's a yeah, burying the lead. Yeah, a very strange. Well, very upset talking. at you about yelling at him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and he's like, you know, as, as you said in your uh, opening line, um, I've heard all these stories about you and I never believed them, but now I do. I know they all must be true because you're the worst and the, all the stories I hear about you must be true. And Larry doesn't seem to care that Norm is dead. He's like, wait, what have you been hearing about me? Tell me yeah. what you've heard. He just hear, that's all he cares about is the gossip. Well, Norm was an asshole. Yeah, he's a prick, as Larry said. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, he played slowly. Um, yeah, Jeff's like, you know, actually, Larry, you have uh, gained quite a reputation at this club. Mm. Um, and fuck is like, you know, it may have been an accident, but you killed him. It was you're a murderer. <laughs> and Jeff's like, well, you know, it's probably more like involuntary manslaughter because he didn't mean to kill him. <laughs> and Larry's like, I didn't kill him. What are you talking about? And, and he's like, I'm not pointing fingers, but you killed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but Larry's like, well, you know, you put a gun to his head the minute you ordered those crispy onions. Like, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could have ordered a normal breakfast. Mm. And Jeff agrees, you know, yes, you're you're right. Not for Andy ordering the uh, the onions. Larry would not currently be guilty of involuntary yes. manslaughter. <laughs> And, um, the main takeaway is tomorrow we should play earlier yeah. so we don't have this problem that's the main takeaway norm died yeah so i think Av, i'm going to propose that it actually is after the after the the round of golf and norm died that quickly you think so yeah that's my like, theory the, like he's dead like yeah he had a heart attack I he guess. died and this is a couple hours later yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess like it could have been like it happened out like, like he died. I mean, either way, it's absurd. But if it was days later, they probably wouldn't have heard that, you know, at the club, they would have got a phone call also, you know, they wouldn't find out post right. the next round of golf. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's just like, yeah, I guess that's very fast for like him to be like confirmed dead. Mm, yeah, yeah, I guess if you're dead, if you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they would like call an ambulance, right? Like you wouldn't. <laughs> no, not necessary. He's very dead. <laughs> He's very dead from a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so we're it's the uh, we're at Larry's house, uh, I guess, later that night, and Larry's having dinner with his dad and his cousin Andy and Andy's wife Cassie, uh, played by Lisa Arch, and she's like, "Hey, what's going on with that?" Simon and Larry's like, "Oh, we're doing the read through next week. Um, actually, Larry Officer Krupke is next week. Uh, the table read is in two weeks, so you know, just get your uh, get your weeks right." Um, and Cassie's like, oh, hey, that stonemason called. He's going to call back. Um, and I actually sold him a hat while I spoke, while I was speaking to him. Um, yeah, I did these hats and, you know, trying to make some extra money on the side. And him and her, her and Andy are going on about how, you know, life is so expensive with kids and doctor bills and college. And Larry cuts them off and makes an amazing offer. Hey, I'll pay for your daughter Skyler's college. And they're like, oh, my God, that's amazing, Larry. That's great. Shock, Thank you so much. Shocking generosity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also just like kind of appropriate where it's like, yeah, your cousin is like really struggling. You have $400 million. Like, yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, it doesn't have to be kind, but like, yeah, you should help him out if he's like, if you love your cousin if, and you can help him and he's struggling. But no, Larry, money. But no, Larry, there's got to be a catch. Yeah. And yeah, Andy, cool. Andy does seem a yeah, little tough to love. Yeah. I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> As cousins, go. yeah, um, yeah, so that, yeah, it must be real love. By the way, I want to get ahead of Jared Jerome's email that I'm sure is going to come later in this episode. Andy pushing the hats on Larry is like in Seinfeld with the um, with the puffy shirt that the low talker and Kramer are pushing on Jerry before he goes on the Today Show, right? 
Yes. Um, I mean, yes, Andy's I like, Andy's like, you can give it to Seinfeld. You can give it to Jeter. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote down Jerry saying, I don't want to be a pirate. Like, yeah. Wearing that hat. Uh-huh. I love how I love how I love how Andy's wife yeah. thinks that Larry's having conversations with Derek Jeter that revolve around these hats. Yeah. Have Derek Jeter and Larry David ever met in real life? What's your prediction? Yes. Larry David have. is a is a Yankee fan. Yeah. OK. All right. For sure. Fair. Yeah. First of all, he was on an episode of Seinfeld while Larry was working on the show, right? Well, that was season six, though, right? Was Larry? Yeah, Larry's still there. Or did he leaves after that season, I think. Yeah, I think he was still there. Yeah, I don't know. So, so that's one. And number two, yes, he's a he's a he's a big Yankee fan in real life, right? Mm, yeah. All right, that's fair. And he has unlimited money, so like, yeah, he probably yeah, he's probably. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's my Derek Jeter. Yeah. So yeah, so the stonemason, uh, you know, as he's asking him to uh, update the stone from past to past. Um, he hear he overhears them talking about Jeter and decides to interject his opinion on Derek Jr., which is that guy sucks. Yeah. Uh, he's the most overrated player. Yeah. He's the worst. And now here's where I ah, heard him say offensive. Yeah. Okay. And the transcript says offensive. Okay. And the subtitle said offensive, which is mm-hmm. probably the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet other people heard defensive. Mm. Yes. And the only thing that makes sense is defensive. Yes. So I heard worst defensive shortstop in baseball statistically, which is correct. But as you said, the captions say worst offensive shortstop in baseball statistically, which is very much not correct. Right. So like the stonemason is correct in his larger goal, which is that Jeter sucks and is overrated. But is he correct on the macro level? Is he also correct on the micro level? Or is he like egregiously wrong with his supporting details? Because to say Jeter sucks because of his offense is very much wrong. Yeah, I mean, if he was bad at offense, then he was just like not a good player at all. Yeah. It shouldn't have been in the lineup ever. Yeah, but he was very good at offense. So what? What do you? So what do you think the Stonemason? Again, forgetting about what the transcript says, what do you? What did you hear? Did you hear defense or offense? I heard offense, but that's probably because I was re- watching with subtitles and they said yeah. offense, and now mm. it's like that's how I hear it. It's probably mm. like now like a Laurel and Yanni situation. Mm. Yeah, okay. uh, they should put that on. We should maybe we should do one of those. We should like pull the population, see here who hears offense or who hears like everyone be mm. like, oh, I'm an offense person. No, I'm a defense yeah. person. I hear uh, defensive on that clip from okay. pretty 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 good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so Larry's like, no, he's a great crutch player, and you know everyone loves him, and just handle the stone, okay? We don't need to argue about Derek here. Yeah, we're back at the golf course and the uh, turns out the course is very empty today because m- many people have decided to take the day off out of respect to Norm. Mm. Uh, not our heroes, however, <laughs> uh, they are playing the very hole where Norm had his heart attack. Mm. Yes, that's their uh, respect to Norm. And Larry tees off and he hits one in the pond. And when he goes to retrieve a ball, he uh, he glances and sees what is a black swan coming towards him ever yet more aggressively until eventually it takes uh, it takes flight and comes at him, leaving Larry in his mind with no choice but to swing his golf club and kill the black swan. Yeah. Now, Av, um, we were just a listener just shared a news clip with us this week that this actually happened. A, a golfer was attacked by a swan, although I think it was a white, more traditional, uh, generic white swan right at a golf club mm-hmm. and defended yes. and the golfer defended himself with his club, uh, similar to Larry David here. Yeah, I mean, what do you what else are you gonna do? Like, it's survival of the fittest. It's either you or the swan. Well, I, that article is written from a very pro-human perspective, and uh, I think it's very anti-swan. Uh, so. Anti-swan, huh? Yeah. No, but uh, but you know what? It, it is true that swans can get very very aggressive at times. Mm. I mean, they they look pretty, you know, especially in the water. But I heard that swans can actually get pretty aggressive if they want to. 
Now, if, if only Mr. Takahashi was as understanding as Dana is on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> now, Av, here's yeah, my question. So this is, uh, we're yeah. we're going to, you know, once they go back in, into the dining room, they're going to suddenly notice that the entire club's iconography is built around the swan, like it's yeah. on everything. So I'm wondering, like, how long does a swan live? In other words, is this swan Mr. Takahashi's original black swan, or have there been other black swans before this one? I mean, this they is, say this is the love of his life. So I don't yeah, think this, this is the, I don't think this is like a retread. This is the black. Swan. No, no, this is the one and only Keiko. The one and only Kyoko. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Yeah. There's no other. He, he no. Now his love would be frivolous. Then if, it does say, you know what? Uh, in a protective environment, a swan can reach 30 years. So, yeah, this could be. So Kiko could go. be. Uh, yeah. Kiko could have been yeah. with him for uh, most of his life. He was he was so young. So, yeah, so um, like they want to call uh, animal control, but Larry's like, no, we'll get kicked out of the club if they find out that I killed his swan, mm. uh, rightfully so. Mm. And uh, like he's like, everyone, you can't tell anyone, not including your wife. And Andy's like, well, you know, me and Cassie, like we have this pact that we always tell each other everything. I feel like, uh, Chester, you have this pact with your wife, right? Uh, but I don't bring it up in the context of my friend just having murdered a swan. Right. I, like, you don't um, affirmatively like if, if my wife said, hey, did Larry kill a swan at the golf club today? All right. Maybe in that case, I would fess up. But I wouldn't you don't have to go affirmatively share that information if it's not relevant to her. Yeah, you don't have to. I yeah, especially if Cassie has um, as big a mouth as apparently she does. Yeah. Um, so this sets off in a way I don't think I've ever seen Jeff this angry on the show to date. <laughs> and he's like, are, are you crazy? You hold on, what about when his head was shaving? Yeah, he was pretty upset then. But yeah. I think he's like more just like this. Is, like he feels like Andy just said like the dumbest thing he's ever heard in yeah. his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> the, only like, yeah the only time I tell, I tell my wife that I'm full is when I'm with another woman. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff is still cheating on uh, Susie Golf is his, a lot. So it seems. Yeah. Or he very rarely tells her that he's playing golf. Mm, so it's yeah. hard to cover. You're playing. He seems to be playing a lot of golf. Some of the times he must be really playing golf. And some of the times he's uh, yeah. with another woman. Yeah. But Larry's like not having it. Larry's like a mafia boss here. He's like, we're a foursome. We stick together. No wives. And they take the swan and they go bury it. Yeah. Funkman is like talking loudly about the black swan. And like Larry's <laughs> like getting pissed on him. He's like, what are you doing? Like, don't talk about it. Like, we stay here for as long as we need. Swan killers leave. They, yeah. they run away. People who didn't do anything wrong, they hang out. They have lunch. They have a good time. They socialize. Yeah. They don't talk loudly about murdering black swans. Um, uh, I'm reading my notes from the episode and I, I wrote down the quote. Let me explain something to you, moron. Swan killers leave. And then I wrote in all caps with multiple exclamation points, we need to include this clip. But I forgot to mention that to you before we started recording. So I guess we don't have that clip. Oh, I have. The, oh, you do have um, No, I don't oh. have. And then, no, yeah, and then, uh, and then Larry's saying, right afterwards. You're, you're talking way too loudly about swan killing in the dining room. This whole scene absolutely kills me. The way that the, yeah. Larry looks uh, menacingly yeah, Funk- at Marty with his knife and like how terrified Funkman is of Larry there. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, fine. And then Funk is just like, you don't follow any rules. You have your phone out of the dining room yeah. and you kill the swan. Like, those are the two rules that you broke. No killing swans and no yeah. having your phone out of the dining room. Listen, Mr. Takahashi um, doesn't have many rules yeah, in his club, that but that's two of them. Right. Yes. And then um, it looks like we will have uh, some people that have located the swan in question. And we have, you know, our guys back having lunch in the. Dining room. Attend the scene from above. Look. Mr. Takahashi looking at the dead swan. Very saddened. 
true pain. Broke my heart. The caption says here that he was barking orders. <laughs> now what are we gonna do? It was a bird. What were you so scared of? A bird. It was oh, self-defense. What could it have possibly done to you? You could kill me. It's not a wild boar. If you should say what I leaped in the air, you wouldn't. Don't you absolutely? Why were you even burying? Why were you thinking of burying? Mr. Takahashi would like to see you all in his office now. I love the music here. Very ominous. So, you know what this is? This is key sheet. It tells me who prayed and who not to pray. Only one other group prayed. Course. Not crowded. Respect for norm. Oh, you prayed. Why? You don't know respect the norm? Oh, no, 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 of course I know I respect the norm, absolutely. Yeah. Although he was a slow player. <laughs> <laughs> what else? You are not a respect. Beautiful black swan? My beautiful black swan, Kyoko, was killed, murdered. Who killed Kyoko? You. I don't know you. Who are you? I'm, I'm a guest here. And if mm -hmm. I may say, I think the food here is just great. I ordered some eggs with onion just... You killed Swan? No, I, I, I'm from out of town. I have no reason to kill this one. <laughs> you. You smart guy. Yeah. You know kill Swan. Oh, no, sir. But you know who kills Swan. Well, I don't think... No, I don't think I do, no. You like a club? I love this club. You tell me. Free dues. No more dues. For life. Hold life. It's a lot of money. Valet parking. Anytime. <laughs> Range bulbs. All you want. Tell me. Right. Tell me. Um. No, I really can't think of who could have done it. You. Hmm. You kill Swan? No, I never kill a Swan. Why? You stupid? <laughs> Not stupid. Yes, you marry Big Mouth wife. <laughs> she does have a big mouth. Yes, that is true. <laughs> I talked to her. No, you don't, don't call her. I don't even bring her around anymore. Out of respect. Out of respect. Oh. Out of respect. Dang. How are you? Good. Yeah. You kill Kyoko. To talk now. I'll call you back. No servile in the clubhouse. Last warning. Now go. Go. What a scene. I really, I love that scene. You're that so that might be the best scene in the uh, show's history. It, I'm serious. That scene is on. <laughs> first of all, like, like, um, Funk Man's negotiation with Takahashi. Incredible. <laughs> Takahashi tells Jeffy stupid for marrying a big mouth wife. 
Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So, I mean, so tell us about that scene. What was on the page and like, like what, what were you told there? And what was just, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, in the room? Well, Larry told me he got this idea that he wants to recreate a scene from the bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> you know, where uh, Sesu Hayakawa's character going down the line interrogating the the prisoners. So he's like, can we try to recreate that? And I said, sure. Yeah. You know, and interrogating. And we, we tried it different ways. And then, you know, the way that show works, even though they have uh, uh, an idea what the scene's about, is all the improv, you know? So you do it once and Larry would say, oh, that, that's a great, let's keep that, you know, and let's do it again, but remember to keep that in and the other stuff, nah, let's not go that way. And so did it a few times and, you know, that's what came up. Av, you, you're, you've gone back and seen just about every Best Picture winner ever. So I, I assume you've seen Bridge on the River Kwai? Oh, I have yeah, not yet. It's it, still on my list. Still on my list. Me. I know. I know it's supposed to be great. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I will especially get to it. It's especially now list. that you connected still... to the scene from Curb. Right. Yeah. No, now I'm going to have to watch it and look back to the scene. Um, yeah. Um, it's, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm up to 1966, I think. Oh, so you still have another nine picture. years or so, I think. All right. Uh, are you going back? Yeah, I don't always do it. You, you're going backwards, right? Um, yeah, because backwards. Yeah, because it's way before 1966. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 1957. Yeah. If I remember correctly. yeah, somewhere around the 57, 56. Yeah. Now, let me ask you another question, uh, Dana. Mm -hmm. Larry's sure. eye stare that he does with people becomes more and more famous over the course of the show. Here is the only time or at least the only time so far through, uh, you know, season seven, episode seven, where the other person initiates it. You initiate the eye stare on Larry. Right. So was this something that you were sort of planning on doing or just sort of, you know, came about again, like, uh, you know, while you guys were uh, doing uh, improving the scene? It came, it came about. Uh, I think, in fact, I think Larry suggested it, saying, say, you know, that I think do. I said, yeah, I said, why don't you, you know, start? I said, OK, you know, that's a big honor. Yeah. So do you think do you think that Mr. Takahashi separately this is like his move too, or Larry once did this to him and now he's like preempting oh, he's using it against Larry? That's a good that's a good call. It's the it's the, yeah, I'm preempting it. You know. Yeah, like you're I'm like, doing, oh, I'm gonna play your own move on you. That's how much power I have over you. Yeah, but like you know it. it's a strong flash. I, in reality, I mean, do I really know that he does that, you know? <laughs> now we've we've only seen well, it on you the show. Have gotten into an altercation. Yeah, I'm gonna see his show, right? <laughs> no, yeah. but, we've seen yeah. it on the show nine times so oh, meaning, far. But like Larry is a big troublemaker in the club, right? So you probably had to like have uh, you know discipline with four, and he's probably oh, done times, that on you. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So you know all his tricks. You know all his tricks. They don't work on you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 That Larry David always mischief. Um. So yeah, so okay, so we move on to the next day. You know what? And can, can I, can I go ahead. digress a little bit here? Sure, can absolutely, I, please do. Since we're talking about on the bridge on the river Kauai and Setsu Hayakawa, uh, I, I, yeah. I just want to say one thing. You know uh, that Setsu Hayakawa, back in the twenties, he was a probably the second highest grossing actor in America, wow. behind Charlie Chaplin. Yep. So a lot of people don't, don't know this during the silent film days. And when the talkies came in, 
course, his English wasn't very good, so he lost favor and um, moved back to Japan. Oh, wow. And when Bridge on the River quite came along, they sought him out and brought him back in. And that's what happened. A lot of people don't realize that he was the second highest grossing actor in America at one time in the 20s. Yeah, that is incredible. Yep. Interesting. And then he comes back, you know, yeah. And, you know, all this talk about Asian American actors getting a lot of work now, but, you know, still nobody has matched that, what he did in the 20s to be like the the number two box office draw in America. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Let, let me ask you, you, you brought this up, yeah. you know, one of the criticisms uh, more of Seinfeld than of Curb, but a little bit of Curb as well is sort of like the sort of the trope or stereotypical way that sometimes Asian-Americans are represented on the show. And I'm just wondering, like, is that something that, you know, that, 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 that you felt about Seinfeld or Curb or, or not personally? Well, I have a different take on all about stereotypes and stuff. OK, since I'm a product of, uh, 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 of immigrants, my parents and uh, and I just think that you know, for what it's worth, I, I, I will play any character that's to me, as long as I think it's a full flesh character. An accent to me is not a big deal. You can have as long as the character is a full flesh individual, a human being. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm. Yeah. That you know. Can you really say Takashi is a stereotype? I, I don't know. You know, I thought about that, but oh no, I don't. I don't think he is. But yeah, no, but th- th- there saying. are other examples in the show. But yeah, he's like, I mean, he, if, you know, he's the one who's you know the much more mature and rounded person compared to Larry exactly. in their interaction. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know who 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 maybe in Seinfeld, but I, I you know, Seinfeld. First of all, I'm not so sure there were that many. Uh, Minority actors on Seinfeld. Yeah, well, that was but another. Certainly, yeah. uh, on Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's quite a few. Oh uh, yeah, it's much, it's much more diverse yeah. than Seinfeld yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, people are learning, I guess. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's go back to uh, Larry's going home to have dinner with uh, Andy and his wife, right? Yeah. So, well, first, um, um, Larry is talking to Andy and talking about, you know, we have a memorial for today for Norm and then a funeral tomorrow, two days with this guy in a row. It's even worse than golfing behind him. <laughs> and Andy's like, yeah. So, you know, again, thanks so much about yesterday, about you know, how you're offering to pay for the college. Um, you know, we were wondering, would you also be willing to play for Cass Cosmetology School? Because, you know, she would be a natural for it. She really wants to go. We just don't have money. Um, it's her passion. It's her dream. And Larry's like, what the hell? Like, I give you this amazing gift uh, that I'm like, st- I say, I'll pay for your daughter to go to college. And you're like, oh, what else do you have? Like, you want another thing? What the hell? Like, no, that's BS. And Cassie barges in. She's like, what? You're saying no? He's like, yeah, no. And she's like, you know, we think it's really nice that like you're paying for Cassie, but like, we don't even know if she's going to go to college. Maybe she's going to be a drug addict instead of going to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of drug addicts go to college. Like, you yeah. know, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of college kids are drug addicts. <laughs> she might yeah, be. Yeah, a lot of people are not, don't become drug, addict, until drug addicts until they go to college. Yeah. Like, until they go to college. Where yeah, will they become right. drug addicts if not college? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, you wanted to be a drug addict, you send them to college. 
so yeah, so Larry's like, he's like besides himself, he's like, what, what's wrong with you people who acts this way? And Cassie's like, you know what type of people we're not? We're not the type of people that kill swans. No. And Larry's just like, come on, man. Like looking at Andy, like, what did you do? Like, he's like, oh, well, you know, we were just talking. And so like, I had to tell her. Yeah. And because, you know, as you know, because I, because we were talking hmm. um, and Larry's just like, you guys better not tell anyone. And Cassie is like, what is that a threat? And Larry's like, yes. If you tell anyone, I'll open that closet door and take every one of those hats and destroy them. The blue hat, the orange hat, the one with the cockle shells, the one with the feathers, and let's not forget the red one you're making for that asshole stonemason. <laughs> and the stonemason. <laughs> um, yeah, so this relationship has really fallen apart very quickly. Yeah, very far downhill. All Larry did was offer them free college for their daughter, yeah. and now they are his sworn enemy. Yeah, Cassie's pretty awful. Yeah, I mean, there's really no defense here, right? Like, we're not going to mount a defense for Cassie or for Andy for the Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Andy. Like, he probably would never think to ask this, and like his wife is just like has bullied him into doing so. That's yeah. Andy's Andy. a complete. Yeah, Andy's a complete um, uh, bully victim here. Much like the uh, the onions, he doesn't like. He's uh, he's limp. Mm. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh-huh. so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. It's uh, it's the memorial service, and Larry comes in, and he's talking to Funkhauser, and Funkhauser is like feeling really emotional. You know, he just lost his father. I guess he lost his mother uh, some time ago as well. And Larry's, you know, as talking about the the headmason, he's like reminiscing about them, and like Larry's like, yeah, well, you know, that stonemason, by the way, is a huge jerk. Uh, he brought it into my conversation about Derek Jeter and was has all these like terrible takes about Jeter. So like, I hate that guy. <laughs> and it turns out the guy standing next to them is the stonemason. Mm. And he's there because I, I still don't really understand why he's there, but yeah. he's, supposedly he's there because I did, uh, I did Funkhauser's mom stuff, uh, stone, his dad's and I'm doing norms and hopefully I'll be doing yours too soon. <laughs> you prick. Yeah. And Larry, of course, is hoisted in his own petard when it comes to the non-introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I like when Larry gets hoisted on his own petard. That's kind of the whole premise of the show. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, not not always quite so elegantly as this, but that's kind of what the show tries to deliver. Yes. So yeah, so <laughs> Larry gets from Jeff what I would say is the most incriminating email in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this dumb? Yeah. Right? He writes to him, subject, swan killing. Yeah. I am this. We should confess and get this over with. We're going to get caught. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> he needs, like, every this element of the crime. Been... Yeah. yeah. He's like, on such and such day, at such yeah. and such time. Yeah. And by the way, he's the like moment... writing the police report to save the cops time. And the moment Larry takes his Blackberry out and shows that screen, you know that screen is going to be seen by someone for whom it's not supposed to be seen. Like, there's yeah, no. Except there's that no... it's not. There's no lock, but but I'm saying like when you're watching it, that's that's immediately what you assume is exactly what's going to happen. Oh, f- for sure, because yeah. right, they wrote this is like the Chekhov's email of all Chekhov's email. But, like, but that's why, yeah. But then they, but the point is, but then they actually do the misdirection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, for, I had forgotten even on this most recent rewatch that it gets yeah. misdirected. Yeah. Um, By the way, of course, in real life there'd be a so lot. Yeah, so of course, but anyway. Yeah, so of course, you know, the memorial service starts and they're talking about Norm and Larry's uh, Larry's phone goes off once again. And mm. uh, Mr. Takahashi is like, assumes it's Larry because it is Larry. Uh, but Larry somehow was able quick enough to like get it off and then like try to put the blame on some other guy. <laughs> so uh seems like he at least dodged. Uh, they, they couldn't uh, catch him red handed this time. Well, he just chucks it. Right. Meaning. Yeah. But right. But like you would still think that like someone yeah, would yeah. have seen that is my point. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So um, Larry, uh, Larry goes over to Norm's widow and she's like, why are you even here? You killed him. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't kill him. And actually, I have a theory. I think he was attacked by the swan. He was very much alive at the time Norm had the heart attack and at that pond with Norm. Yeah. Okay. I think he was attacked by the black swan. <laughs> the swan is dead, Larry. He's dead now. He was very much alive at the time Norm had the heart attack. And at that pond with Norm, here, the two of them, over here. I had nothing to do with it. I'm on my way to the locker room. I'm here. I'm over here. Here's Norm and the swan. Here's Norm, Kyoko, the crazy black swan. Norm, heart attack, down. That's what happened. That's why Norm died. That doesn't explain Kyoko's disappearance. They should have put that swan away a long time ago. I don't know who killed that black swan. But whoever did it was a hero. A hero. I love how he's like trying to serve dual interests here, where he's yeah. like he wants to put it on, like put this narrative out, but also he wants to plant the seed that if it turns out that he gets caught with having killed the swan, he's heroic. also the hero. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. But just in case, hmm. so um, as he walks away, the waiter comes over. He's like, "Hey, I found your BlackBerry over there," um, and like it's just like it's a really great device. Like I noticed how easy it is to just like scroll through emails and read them all. And Larry's like, which oh apparently God. he's he saying just totally the- randomly, right? Yeah, yeah. That's really what people said about the BlackBerry. Ball. Good for scrolling emails. <laughs> yeah, they did actually. Um, yeah, yeah. As uh, as we'll see in the next scene, as uh, Chester said, um, you know, the, he. Um, the, the, the waiter comes over and he's like, hey, um, here's, you know, as you know, there's 18% gratuities included. And there's also, you can give an additional tip. And they're like, yep, it's a shakedown. So Larry uh, writes down 500 bucks, figures uh, get, uh, to buy this guy's silence. And as he hands it to him, he's like, and I hope that we can uh, keep this to ourselves just like everything else. And as he walks away, fuck man, so eloquently puts it, that waiter has no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so basically Larry just gave this guy, and now he's going to have to give this guy 500 bucks all the time. Mm. Do you have to do it all the time? I don't think you've set a precedent for Yeah, I guess not. I guess you could just do it one. I don't know. I mean, yeah. People have high demands once you give this, start giving them things. We see mm. from Andy. Okay, so we for our final clip, we head into our final scene of the episode. Um, we are at Norm's funeral the next day. The heart attack right by the pond. It was the swan. Think about it. It's a theory. <laughs> anyway, it was a lovely service. I'll see you. I'll to push this on everyone. Larry, I'd like to talk to you. Yes, Mr. Takahashi? I heard about your big addition to tip to waiter. Such generosity. You know, most of the people... They don't give additional tip. Now I know a man so generous could not have killed my black swan, my Kyoko. <laughs> of course I didn't kill <laughs> Kyoko. I was trying to tell you that. You'll forgive me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll forgive you. Oh, thank you, you. You lost a little face. Didn't oh, you? Little, <laughs> oh, I lost a lot, lot, lot of face. face. Got your face back? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, you are uh, going to car? Actually, I'm going to see my mother's gravestone. Um, but. It's on the way to the parking lot. We walked together. Let's walk together. Yeah. After you, sir. Uh, thank After you. you. Thank I have a couple of things I wanted to discuss with you, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. Let's get rid of that additional tip in the dining room. Nobody wants to sit and do math after they eat to oh, figure no. out oh, no math. an additional tip. No. Make it a 20% flat. Make it 25%. Yes, 25. 25. Yes. Huh? Good, you like good. that? I love it. Okay, Mr. Takahashi. I like that. He's wearing the hat. 
course. Awesome. At the Stonemason. <laughs> All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Okay. And we look over at this tombstone, and it says, Mother of Larry, an asshole, and swan. <laughs> so Takahashi obviously sees the, the what the Stonemason has done, but doesn't Larry have, like, plausible deniability here, right? Like, even even if Larry had killed the Black Swan, why would Takahashi think that Ed the Stonemason would know that information? It's, like, very strange. Um, it just must mean that, like, word, word has gotten yeah. around. Like, people, I feel like, like if, yeah, if, he yeah. th- if he thinks... Yeah, but if Mr. He Takahashi thinks it's Larry, and is other very, people also think it's Larry for some. Mr. Takahashi has established himself as a very trusting and forgiving guy in this episode. And I feel like Larry can say, listen, this guy hates me for other reasons because of Derek Jeter. And he heard there was a dead swan at the club and he's just trying to pin it on me. He's spreading rumors like other people independent from me based on their their separate information have also <laughs> concluded that Larry David is the swan killer. Yeah. So I think I'm going to trust my initial instinct now. So presumably that's another club that Larry's kicked out of. Uh, What's your rating for this episode? Mine? Um, I'm going to give this... um, I'm going to give this the full five. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. I think this episode is awesome. I loved it. I laughed a ton. Two or three just like awesome iconic scenes. The uh, the Mr. Takahashi interrogation, the Larry, uh, you know, with that little soliloquy. It's, he has two great soliloquies. He has the uh, the theory of the black swan. He has the what he's going to do to the the orange hats and the blue hats. And the yeah. hats with the, yeah, whatever. Uh, I remember it. Yeah. Um, and the, the hoisted on hardness of the episode is done excellently. Um, the the intersect the two intersecting storylines not very well. It's kind of it's like it's a small episode, but it's like executed perfectly with tons of laughs. So yeah, full fives. I love this episode. Yeah, uh, when when I was in law school, there were some professors that the way they would grade papers, uh, final exams, would be the question would be an issue spotter, which basically means they uh, would devise a hypothetical, and then you were supposed to like address all the possible legal issues. And the way the teachers would grade your essay is just sort of running down the side of the page, check mark, check mark, check mark, and they count how many check marks there are. I'm looking at my notes from this episode and like next to each scene, I just have a little commentary. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) Hilarious. Awesome. Like we have had, honestly, we've had episodes with guests on where I haven't really wanted, you know, I haven't really wanted to tell my honest uh, ranking of the episode because I didn't want to insult the guests and make them think, oh, you know, I dislike this episode because you, uh, you know, I may have appreciated their performance, but didn't love the episode. This is not one of those episodes. This is an amazing episode. I was literally LOLing, laughing out loud throughout this episode. Um, this is like a top 20 curb episode. And by the way, I'll notice um, some people have it even higher. Um, there's three rankings that list this as a top five episode ever. Uh, Ranker has this number three overall, uh, right ahead of Carpool Lane, Ski Lift, and Crazy Eyes Killer, which are Hall of Fame episodes. This is a beloved, yeah. beloved episode of Curb. Um, my only slight gripes is we get no Jerry and we get no Leon. So I'm going to take away half a pretty for each of those, but I, my final grade will be pretty. Leon wasn't around then, right? Pretty, Leon wasn't around. Pretty good. At that time. No, you know, Leon's in no, this he was, he was around. Yeah, he just, was? Not, just not in this episode, however. Yeah. yeah. No, but he wasn't a serious regular at that time. No, yeah, he was not. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, I mean, he's not in all the episodes of the season. You're docking the episode a full point because two characters that aren't generally in episodes of Curb aren't in this awesome episode of Curb? No, but this Alex, season, we want to see I'm Jerry. I'm disappointed in you, Alex. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, I gave it four pretties, and I'm a tougher grader than Ob. So, I mean, this this uh, is in my top uh, top fifteen or so. I don't. I have to check my exact grade, but uh, this no, is no. That's that's. I think I just think that's like kind of. I just think that's kind of a frivolous reason. You gotta give it four on its merit. Give it a four on its merit. But like, if you think it's a five star yeah, episode, yeah, and you Jeff. dock it a point because Jerry Jerry Seinfeld's not in this episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, so Stop I'm docking it a point. <laughs> All right, we'll give Mr. Takahashi a chance to raise the GPA. Uh, Mr. Takahashi, uh, Dana Lee, uh, how many how many uh, pretties do you rank this episode? How pretty good is this episode? From one to five. Pretty, 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 pretty good. All right. There you go. Right. Race you know, the Jeff to, to 4.7. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Garland thinks this is one of the top 10 episodes. Oh, I should add Jeff's I, ranking to, the, to my. Every, every time list. I see him, every time we go on the show, he, he would talk about this as a Dana. As a, that Black Swan episode has got to be one of the top 10. Yep. So. No, this is a, this is a great episode. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a quick just like little spoiler. We usually do the ratings along with the emails, but I'm tabulating them as we talk here. And based on the uh, we have an audience score of three point nine, so the audience is is pretty high on this episode, although not as quite as high as I am. And with our five 3. five points from me and from Dana, out of what? Yeah. Five? The three, out of five, yeah, I think it's low. Oh, I agree. God. Well, the, we, yeah, but our one, listeners are one, very one, per, one person was low on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but that's so. Um. But with my five and Dana's five and Alex's four, that gives it an uh, an overall average of four point four eight, which would make it to to date of the sixty eight episodes we've seen so far the number four ranked episode. Wow. Mm-hmm. Four oh, so if far. Alex were to correctly give it the five stars that he says yes. it, that he deserves, Come on, that Alex. Docking change it, reasons, change it, Alex. That would change. move it up to four point seven three, which would make it the best episode of Curb so far. According to our audience, change it, Alex. Change it, Alex. I'm not giving. I'm not giving into this peer pressure. We leave leave it in Alex's hands. Yeah, no, this this Alex doesn't give it to give it. This is a top four episode. That's great. It's it's an incredible, incredible episode. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Top four is very top four is very good. Top four, top four. All right, let's uh, let's get to the next award. Who is the come with guy? I'll start here. Not a big surprise. But uh, clearly, it's, it's Mr. Takahashi. As we said, he comes to America. He builds a su- su- successful club. He lets in the Jews, the blacks, all the minorities. He's trusting. He's forgiving. But he's wise. He's a lover of animals. I mean, Mr. Takahashi is like probably in a show where everybody's like an asshole. He's probably the best person yet to be on this show. And also is in like a Hall of Fame scene in the episode. So very, very funny. And of course, uh, it doesn't hurt that, that Dana comes on our podcast today. But even without that, Mr. Takahashi is a runaway come with guy for me. Yeah, um, can't disagree. And yeah, not, can't disagree. Not much to add. Um, yeah, he's just an absolute delight. Um, whether he's playing or whether he's playing an actor pretending to be Dana Lee buying a car in mm. season oh, one. Yes. Um, <laughs> always, always, a, always great when Mr. Takahashi is around that I believe we're, uh, we're going to see him two or three more times. Um, but yeah, he's just an absolute blast. This episode just completely commands the and like takes control over the scenes that he's in. He's like the oh, ultimate, just like comes in, steal, you know, the scene, like you're the entire focus of those scenes. They're just unbelievable. Hmm. Um, and yeah, he's you know, he's uh, he brought his A game to um, to the to curb and to our pod. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, Av, the next question is, who is the fucking asshole in this episode? Andy is the fucking asshole. Because Andy. your cousin gave you wow. free college. Andy. Yeah. 
I was going to say, don't expect me to say anybody because I got to be back on the show. So, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want we don't want you to break out right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it got to be Andy. I mean, he he causes the whole thing by making his ridiculous long order, and then he's the one who blabs to his wife, and you know, and when everybody else kept it secret, and Larry offers him free college for his daughter, and like he's not satisfied with that and asks for more. I mean, I think he's the worst person in this episode. Mm, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go another direction. I'm gonna say Ed the Stone Mason, a real dick move, obviously, with what he does to the tombstone. But Larry had it coming, and I can't punish a man with good takes on Derek Jeter, so it's not going to be him. To me, though, I mean, Larry kills a swan. He lies about it. He maybe indirectly kills Norm. He threatens his friends and family. Sure, he offered to pay for a kid to go to college, but, like, that money is, is virtually meaningless to him. Sure, Cassie's incredibly rude and also is a terrible mother. But to me, LD himself is the biggest fucking asshole of this episode. And I got to say, this is unprecedented. This is now the third time in four episodes that I've made it LD himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, you used, really? used to get angry at me that I would do too often. Yeah, uh, Larry's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, listen, I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, but ca- I'm surprised that you blame Andy and not Cassie. I feel like uh, I feel like Cassie's worse than Andy. She's the one who throws her daughter under the bus. She, um, she might yeah, be a except, except Andy. Yeah, except Andy has, right. And, but Andy has also the two other things. So I think yeah. that puts him over the top. The onions, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I'm from out of town. I, mean, I want to kill I guess a swan. the worst thing anyone does. Yeah. Listen, it's well known that only people from in town are swan killers. Out of towners don't kill swans. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. If I ever get accused of killing a swan, uh, I'm from Minnesota. I, why would I kill a swan here in New Jersey? All right. Uh- <laughs> um, listen, okay. It's been great fun. I think, um, thank you guys for having me on. I, it was a pleasure. And um, let's do it again. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Dana. Hey, okay, yeah, we are. Well, we uh, you'll be back on curve. We'll have know you that. back uh, when we get to some. Yeah, so we're really excited to see that. Do you do you know? Uh, do you have any idea when that uh, season is going to start no airing? Idea. I don't even know when the first episode airs airing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, t- I just read well, today that soon. They're, they're saying to 2021, like this fall, is what they're saying. So yeah, that's. I think they not said, until this uh, fall. Jeff Garland really? said that. That's that's what Jeff Garland said. Yeah. Yeah. Not until this fall, huh? Wow. Mm, yeah. Okay. So we'll that's what that's what we heard on a podcast, okay. a different podcast. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, All right. So well, thank you so much, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have mm-hmm. a great night. Have a good night. Thank you. you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, is it time for the Postman? Okay. It is time for the Postman. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! First email is from a new email sender. The Postman has a letter from a new uh, address. And the person's name is Brandon Peterson. And he says, Alex and Av, long time, first time since episode one. Love the podcast. Been nice. waiting to email in about the Black Swan, specifically since listening to you cap season two, episode one, in which you failed to mention that the car dealership customer, Dana, the one who allowed you to convince GTS or terrific safety, <laughs> is in fact the same actor who would go on to become Mr. Kahashi. Certainly a prominent role late in late Curb. As for this episode, I'd call the Black Swan perhaps the most readable episode of Curb of all time. 
as a writer, I can relate with Larry, a typo in any form, much less than what, much less one that lasts for eternity <laughs> is enough to cause a rash. As a golfer, I can relate with the fellows abhorring Norm's slow golf play and finding the silver lining in his untimely demise. As a fat guy, I certainly can relate to Andy wanting his onions well caramelized and crispy. I hear that. Well, this cover, ha- um, this, this episode all covers this all Brandon's bases. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. Checking all his boxes. Yeah. Um, for the for the come with guy, he says Funkhauser, the funk man doesn't snitch, even in the face of a good ride. Yeah, he really holds uh he holds position there. Yeah. Um King Asshole, who else? The goddamn swan. Whoa, uh, wow. Yeah, the swan does kind of initiate. That's a little bit of victim blaming though, Brandon. Yeah, I, think. I think it's Yeah, well, you know, he you know, he was asking for it. Yeah. Listen, the swans and the golfers have I mean, fought could, have fought for centuries. Say, there's no way to resolve this uh, this long term ethnic dispute. Yeah, you could say that like Larry should have known better than to to swing the golf club like this. He'll be fine. But I would argue the Swan should know better than to like hoist himself at another creature and not expect to be stricken. So, Av, have you seen that thing that's been flying around the internet the last couple of weeks? Uh, there was a five thirty eight podcast, um, uh, a politics podcast episode about it. About they they pulled Americans. What animal? No. They, do you know what I'm talking about? No, tell me, tell me. There was a poll, and it said, which of the following animals, like they're asking Americans, could you beat in a fight if you ha- if you were unarmed? <laughs> this is awesome. Should we, should we do it for okay. you? I'm going to ask you. Yeah, please. Yeah, okay, please. So I love this. Okay, so you are that in a fight fun. with this animal. Do you think you could beat this fight, this animal? In a well, fight? I mean, I mean, it's it's is it is it me or is it a regular person? No, it's you. Because it's if it's you, me, then none of them. It's you, Obstinetsky, okay, and you are fighting this animal. In, in ostensibly a fight to the death. Okay. Could you beat it? All right. Fight to the death. Okay. So will okay. I kill it before it kills me? Yes. Or, or, or maim okay, it enough, that, maim it enough that the fight's over, that it can no longer uh, cause. And I can run away. I can run yeah. away. I can escape. Okay. All right. The first one uh, I will ask you is a rat. A rat? Yeah. I think I can handle a rat. Okay. What about a house cat? Uh, yes. Okay. What about a goose? Remember, no golf club. Goose. Right. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, and one of the other main parts of the study was how men are way more confident in their ability to beat animals than women, which is, I guess, not a surprise because men are, you know, overly confident about most things. Sixty. So should I, am I wrong? Am I wrong that I would? I I do not think you could defeat a goose. I think geese are much bigger than we realize and are much eviler than we realize, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, So 61, 61% of Americans think they could beat a goose. Okay, but a rat, and a, a rat and a cat, I could, I could, yeah, yeah, I could yeah. stomp on them. I, I think I could be, well, yeah, okay. A uh, medium-sized dog is the next one. No. So I think I could if take a medium-sized. I could take a medium-sized dog before I could take a goose. I think. I mean, it just I feel like the 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 dog has just like if it has claws and and teeth, it could really do damage to me. Whereas a, as the goose, like all it could really do is like hit you, hit me with its beak. It doesn't and I feel have like talents. I would eventually, I be able to just like get my hand. I don't know. I feel like I would just pretty also like the neck is just like such an easy target to like disarm mm. that heat. That, that is true. Just choke it. To we're going to get super yeah. canceled Peter, for this, right? We're like, <laughs> no, that's the point. Of it. No, all, every podcast has done this. It's OK. Um, What about the eagle? The eagle's next. OK, fine. Yeah, no, I don't like I don't like the eagle. No, there's the no eagle, chance. The, yeah. the no. eagle has claw. Like, yeah. yeah, no chance. Gets eagle. Oh, what about a large dog? The eagle, the, a large, no, I said a small dog. No. Oh, that's true. Kava Hummer. All right. Chimpanzee. <laughs> Chimpanzee, no way. Yeah, chimps are kind of small, aren't they? I don't know. Um, all right, the next yeah, one. Yeah, but they're, I don't know. They're, 
The next one is a I king. Think they're co- strong. King Cobra is the next one. Of course not. Yeah, who are the fifteen percent of people? Bite me in two seconds. Who are the fifteen percent of people who think they're defeating a King Cobra? Who are these people? Who are these people? Um, fourteen percent think they can. Well, it a- could be that it's like it's like if you know. I I wonder if like killing a snake is the type of like it's very scary unless like you know how to kill a snake and that it's like not hard. Like if you know what you're doing with a snake, like it might not uh, be. Like, I mean, maybe I like a garden snake, but a king cobra. I mean, I guess you crush its head with your like your. Foot. Well, it's the same. I mean, if it's if you're able to, like, but yeah, I feel like I would get he would bite me and then like no, those don't wrap their head around you, right? They just bite you. Okay, would you like to yes, know how big a king would, co- would you like happened. to know how big a king cobra is? Oh, they're very big. Yeah, like eight feet, 10 12 feet. to 18 feet. It's the world's yeah, longest venomous snake. snake. You are not getting, you know, there's no human on earth who's who's killing a king cobra in hand-to-hand combat. Well, maybe a 12 to 12 footer, not a 15 footer. <laughs> All right. A kangaroo, wolf, crocodile, gorilla. 8% of humans think they could beat a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. How, and what about crocodile? How many say crocodile? Uh, 9%. I'm going in, in reduced order. Uh, yeah. Elephant, 8% yeah, think, they can, hard. 8% think they can take an elephant. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do to an elephant? You're gonna punch the elephants? It's, it's like, what do you think your punches are gonna do to the elephant? The only thing you're you gonna do climb to an inside elephant, its trunk and go inside. Yeah, is you go inside its mouth and choke it to death while you die in the process. Uh, there's yeah, you have to like go up the you, you go up the trunk. Yeah, um, eight percent think they can take a lion. <laughs> And then, yeah, um, that's very stupid. Yeah, and, then, and then six percent think grizzly bear. Six percent of people. So, uh, you know, one in every like you know fifteen people you see on the street thinks that uh, they can beat a grizzly bear to the death. <laughs> so yeah, pe- people are very uh, very inaccurate. Yeah, mm. that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I miss. I, I kind of missed this whole thing. Yeah. All right. This is according um, to Americans, by okay. the way. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Like uh, email is from William Blake. He says, Hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I'm not the type of guy that kills swans. Poor Larry is targeted by Mr. Takahashi, Norm, the stonemason. The list goes on and on. Will Larry ever catch a break? Which guy is the swan? It met a cruel fate, but it accomplished its mission. Take out Norm. And, well, he didn't really. Uh, the fucking <laughs> asshole is Norm. He broke the golf course rules of decency and then dies just to spite Larry and haunt him. What an asshole. Four pretties out of five. I like it. I like, I like, I like, I like dubbing, uh, dubbing Norm as the fucking asshole. Uh, four pretties out of five. A good consistent plot. It's out there, but in, but not inconceivable. It is like somewhat grounded. Like it's like a little bit over the top, but it's like unlike some of the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw some like really outlandish plots. This is definitely more realistic. Yeah. Um, okay, we got a few more. Next up is Jared Jerome. Um, I bet he could tell them how tall a uh, a king cobra snake is. That's from looking at a picture of it. He says the black swan is a very t- crisp, funny episode that reminded me of a classic Seinfeld bop- bottle episode, like the Chinese restaurant, the parking garage, the subway, or the dealership. Sort of a correction on last week's wild and crazy episode. It's nice that the show has the versatility to pull off both ends of the ambition spectrum and succeed regardless. For Seinfeld connections, he says, I really struggled to find the Seinfeld connections in this episode. And it had the overarching bottle episode, a couple of direct actual references to Seinfeld, the Jeter appearance, the discussion of the Terry reunion show, but had very little way of repeated plot devices. 
One that stood out to me was when Andy asked if Jerry would agree to wear his wife's hat as a promotion, much like when Kramer's low-talking girlfriend asked Jerry to wear her puffy shirt on the Today Show. Remembering that, Larry was not keen on the idea. Uh, So, yeah, so uh, Alex, uh, of course, called that earlier as well. For the come with guy, Jeff, as usual, has Larry's back, not tattling on him about the the black swan, self-defense, foul slaughter. Um, although um, he does write a very incriminating email that will certainly come up in Larry's murder trial. So to come to that, yeah. Um, Funk is tempted by Takahashi's advances, but holds firm and not ratting out his best friend who hates him, Larry. And Larry makes a nice gesture offering to pay for Andy's kids' tuition. But I think we can all agree that the come with guy of this episode, the MVP of the show to this point, was one Stone Mason Ed, who <laughs> definitely pointed out how overrated Derek Keeter is, <laughs> and even specifically cited his poor defense as the main reason he was so overrated. Mm. Now, it just so happens that this episode aired on November 1st, 2009, meaning it was likely filmed during the 2009 season. And that happened to somehow be Keeter's best defensive season via baseball reference war and his third best season overall, according to B, uh, B-War. B-War, they both say B-War. B-War isn't B-War yeah. baseball reference? Yeah, yeah. The first one is his defensive okay. war. The second one is his Oh, his best. War. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, his best defensive and third best overall season. Yeah. Got it. Um, so maybe uh, should we go through um, all of Derek Jeter's seasons and say if he's a Hall of Famer in the, in the Mike the Mike and Chris uh, method? Oh, you're not from here. I'm familiar with it though, but yeah, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer. Oh, that's a Hall of Fame year. He got six yeah. Hall of Fame years, six yeah. Hall of Fame years, seven Hall of Fame years. <laughs> they, would, they would do that. They would, they would count how many Hall of Fame years. Like that's that's how you. Do, yeah. yeah, whatever. Um. So he says, so maybe the timing wasn't perfect from Ed, but he stood firm on his Jeter stance, earning him clear come with guy honors. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't have to update that take, like, every year just because, like, Jeter has, like, one good defensive season. Like, oh, uh, yeah, he, Ed is still good with his correct Jeter take. Yeah. Um, for the and, of course, asshole and, of course, Jared he says, her defense is just like me. Yeah, yeah. Unlike the, uh, unlike the transcript. Yeah. And the captions. Slow norms of the T. Jeff or... Or is a fruit plate, for God's sake. Jeff, a fruit plate. His sweet-ass time for his stupid onions, causing a ruined day and eventually an involuntary manslaughter. Next, even after this travesty, Larry, out of the clear blue sky, offers to pay for his daughter's college tuition. So a $100,000 gift for no apparent reason. Within a day, he's asking Larry to now pay for his delusional wife's tuition as well. What chutzpah? After putting an onion on top of this shit Sunday, he broke the pact with his boys and told his wife about the dead swat. We all know Andy as the annoying but fun-loving, well-meaning loser cousin of Larry. And it hurts me. It hurts to slap the asshole of the week tag on him. But for this, there can be no debate. Andy is our asshole of the week. Great email. Great email. Mm, love, love, the, love the write-up. Andy. Yeah, I'm with you. Andy, Andy is, the, is the asshole of the week, in my opinion, as well. Um... For his ranking, he said, as I said, the episode wasn't overly complicated. It didn't tie together a million disparate storylines, but it was tight and well done with funny dialogue between Funk and Larry. When, length, when Larry kept throwing in curse words when telling him to keep his voice down about the swan, the re- repartee between the guys about manslaughter versus murder in the lockers, classic, lo- lo- classic locker room talk. Very good. Uh, the tip stuff. The Takahashi interrogation and on and on. Funny, enjoyable, but with a ceiling. This episode was pretty, 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 pretty good. That's four pretties, one no pretty, placing it 21st out of the 67 episodes so far. A top third episode and a solid way to pass time, past time, until we get to the actual Seinfeld reunion about which we have really been duped in this season's previews. Anyway, good job all and choke on an onion, Andy. Mm. So who's, nice who's the listener who gives it the low rating? 
uh, we'll get there. Ah. Um, next up, we have two to go. Next up is uh, in our uh, second to last spot, as always, is Zach Brooks, who says, years ago, I had a goose violently hiss at me when I ran past it. <laughs> past it or past it? <laughs> I ran past. I passed. Yeah. And it was terrifying. I understand Larry in this episode and Larry is pro including tip, which is also good on him. Yeah, I agree. Like, just like I, 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 I know there's some restaurants have already started doing this more and more as just like, just pay the waiters more and like, or include it, like figure it out. Like don't make this like weird in between situation where like the, the, the patrons of the restaurant are supposed to compensate your employees. It doesn't make any sense. No other business works this way. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Larry all, is still all, the fucking asshole. Industries work that way, but none are as extreme as restaurants. Fair enough. Fine. Yeah. Um, you get a haircut. You know, you get a massage. Unfortunately, what do people do? Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it just you know, pay people a living wage, and then you don't have to have your uh, customers pay them. Um, unfortunately, Larry is still the fucking asshole of the week. It's really not at all hard to keep your phone on vibrate at all times. Plus, yeah. he killed a guy. Mm-hmm. Two pretties out of five. Oh, so we have our culprit, Zach Brooks, hissing at, at geese and uh, yeah. denigrating this episode. It was Zach, Pro- Zach Brooks on the 12th hole with a mm-hmm. golf club, destroying yeah. the Black Swan's hopes yeah. for being the number one episode. Listen, also I, 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 it's a great episode, and I, I don't know. Like Number one like, overall. No, number four is a good. Take number four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're a man of principle. We yeah. understand. Tim okay. Collins got mad at me for and that. Finally, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fi- yes. Final. Uh, fi- and uh, AD, Kate, and Katie Huffman as well. Oh yes. Oh yeah. You, you guys really bullied me on that. She one also bu- she bullied you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I caved Last on the podcast, but then I went and, 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 and updated the document afterwards. You did. You yeah. Did. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I see that in our spreadsheet that you have it. At, what episode was that? 4.10? <laughs> yeah, it was the season finale. Okay. Oh, there you go. oh, it's number three. Yeah. Um, yeah, you gave it a 4.5. Yeah. Me and her gave it fives. Audience gave it a 4.17. Um, yeah, so that's currently currently number two. Well, Crazy Eyes Killer number one. Ski Lift number four. Survivor? Sorry, Ski Lift number three. Survivor number four. I thought this episode's number four now. Yeah, wait. So it might not be. What's going oh, on? yeah. Let's I start. have to like resort. Sorry. Uh, yeah, wait one second. Let me resort before we get before we get to Olin. Let's do our. Uh... Listen, I have credibility in the chart world, Alf. I got it. I got it. I didn't sort. I didn't sort. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we have some. I mean, we, we, we use ground numbers. So that unfortunately results in. Uh, some ties in places because mm. there is available. Like if we if like we did like uh 4.3s and 4.6s, then like it would be cleaner. But uh it is what it is. Yeah. So we number one is Crazy Eyes Killa. Uh tied for number two is opening night and the ski lift, both with 4.67s out of five. Number four is now the black swan, number five, the survivor, number six, trick or treat, number seven, Thor, number oh sorry, tied for number seven is Thor at the carpool lane. Uh, for seven and eight, and then number nine is the baptism, and number ten the anonymous donor. So that is our top ten as of now. Um, we have been the last few episodes that we will continue to um, include a link to uh, the spreadsheet where you can see the uh, the rankings for all the episodes. Um, uh, so we, yeah, that'll be like the bottom link in the the show notes. So feel free to check out the entire list if you're interested. But that's the top ten. 
And now we uh, close out as always with Olin Allen. He says, a great episode. Felt like a real buddy episode with our central group of four getting up to all sorts at the golf club. That was a beautiful location and conveniently right next to the Jewish graveyard. The musical <laughs> score was also very notable throughout. Not sure if it was just me. The usual stings, such as the Western theme with the eye stare out, but also with the swan attackers. Writing this as a while after watching. Rating 4.5, making it 16th overall, ahead of the Korean bookie and behind the therapists. Come with Guy. Got to get it to Marty. Some great lines. Stuck up with Larry despite strong incentives. Fully showing the hard-ass attitude combined with a commitment to his best friends. And for fucking asshole of the week, two strong contenders. <clears throat> but in memory of his passing, I will give it to the despicably slow playing Norm, who won't even let you play through. Also seems to be interfering with the rough immediately behind the ball when he strikes it, which should see him docked more. May he rest in peace. But not really. He was a prick. He was a prick. He was a slow player. Norm and the Black Swan both get murdered in this episode and both uh, get called a fucking asshole by listeners. So (laughs) I would say Larry is um, I I would say with the swan, it's uh, sorry, with with the uh, with Norm, we said it's involuntary manslaughter. Swan, I think, is more like voluntary manslaughter. Well, no, Swan itself wasn't. Well, he's going to argue self-defense. Oh, some might argue voluntary manslaughter. Yeah, he wasn't really in threat. Um. But yeah, like he certainly didn't like go out like intending to kill a swan that day. Do golf courses have like, stay in your ground rules? Like, it's important to know. Yeah. Um, is uh is there a is there a right to own a um a golf club in the state of California mm. in their California right. constitution? Yeah, right Perhaps. right to bear a five wood. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. All right, so Olin has wrapped this up, right? We are wrapped. We're wrapped oh. on the postman. Postman, right. postman. Good night, So postman. next week, as you uh, mentioned earlier, we have Officer Krupke. Fuck you. Larry will try hard to cover Jeff's actions after Susie finds lingerie in his car's golf compartment. So I guess Jeff told Susie he was going golfing again next week. And um, Cheryl's friend will compete against her for a role in the Seinfeld reunion. Cheryl David's been getting our... So let me ask you a question. Yes. Have you seen West Side Story? Um, I think so, but I, I barely remember. I mean, I know I have because I have images of it in my head, unless I've just seen clips, so it's possible. Right. Yeah, well, I have never seen West Side Story. Oh, uh, okay. I've never seen it. So isn't that on your rewatch also? So, yeah, so should we watch, uh, should we watch, um... I'm trying to think. I West didn't Side see Story? The, I didn't see the Broadway show, but I definitely... What, what did I see? I saw something in West Side Story. I don't know. Um... Spielberg is releasing a a remake this year. A movie, you're saying? Yeah, a movie, a West Side Story. I need to see it just to see if I've seen it or not. You know what I mean? Do you do that with movies ever? Well, I think you're more serious with movies than I am. Um, um, yeah. I mean, you definitely, I definitely have done it in my life. And I'm, I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I have very careful records at this point. Um, point, Some, a lot of that was constructed for memory, which I spent a lot of time basically going through like the list of every movie released every year. Yeah. And of course, like some of the, some of them are like, I think I saw that. Like, I can't tell you like where I did, but like, I, like I'll, I read plot summaries and be like, Oh, does this sound familiar? Like if it was like, no, I definitely did not see this movie. Then I would, then I crossed it off. But the problem with like, Uh, I think my list, I would guess is probably like 98% accurate. The problem with West Side Story is it's so familiar to you that even if you hadn't seen it, you would like read it and be, right. think you had. 
Yeah, I mean, it's also it's Romeo and Juliet. So it's like, even if you haven't seen West Side Story, you know the story from like other pop culture, as you just said, whether it's even like even if you don't realize you've been seeing uh, West Side Story references like you, you know, Romeo and Juliet references and it's like the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So we'll be doing that um, next week. So, yeah. So. All right. I think. Yeah, I think I'm going to watch West Side Story this week because I've never seen it and as good a reason as any. All right. What about Bridge on the River, on the River Kwai? I hear that that's so if you want to send in, I'll watch that. Maybe I'll watch that the week after. But yeah, so, you know, if you want to if you have a commentary on West Side Story as well, you want to share uh, some thoughts on that, too. Uh, go ahead. So I think I'm going to try to watch that this week, but then uh, maybe I won't. And then you'll feel stupid sending in the comments, but I'll, I'm going to try to. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, both of these movies won Oscars, so I would have to bet that they are. Pretty, 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 pretty good.